Greetings, everyone, and welcome to WriteBrain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to WriteBrain. It's your self-publishing, crowdfunded publishing. You're, it's Look, it's a writing podcast that me, J.F. Dubo, does with my friend Paul Inman, the author of Ageless. And now Paul's going to cut in and remind me that I should point out that I am the author of The Life Engineered. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I didn't even have to cut in this time. That's pretty good. I think we're getting, I think we're getting the hang of this, sort of, kind of, maybe. Um, so, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, how's it going with you? It's going well, actually. I'm, uh, I'm actually getting into the the groove of preparing for this, for for this whole launch thing that's uh, less than two months away. So, I'm nervous about it, but I think I'm getting it. Like, I, 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 I'm getting an idea of what I need to do. Okay, well, that's that's uh, pretty interesting because I'm about maybe a month or so behind you, so I'm not quite there yet. Although I've started processing some of this stuff in my brain, so I could so I could prepare myself mentally. That way, when I get there, I will be in a position that is even better than the position that you're in. Right? Sweet. That's well. Look, the thing is, in, in a certain to a certain degree, not for Inkshare, but for us from the Sword and Laser. Um, aspect of it i guess i'm the trailblazer which is both super cool and exciting but at the same time i feel like i'm walking on fresh ground for certain things right and that makes me nervous well you'll be the first book that sword and laser has um put out under their imprint right right but i will fortunately not be the first book that uh that even sci-fi book that ink shares takes care of so like i know i'm in good hands it's something that they've gone through it's just that i ha- i never have and it's the f- like it's not just the first book from from the sword and laser collection but i think it's the first collection book that's being put out i could really? be wrong i, I could I'm be not wrong. sure uh you know what though uh speaking of sword and laser you know i don't i don't ask you too often about sword and laser but can you maybe um, tell everyone listening, uh, since the second Sword and Laser contest will be ending very shortly, um, what kind of relationship do you have you developed over the course of this whole thing with with the folks from Sword and Laser, Tom and Veronica specifically, or anyone else? Um, well, I seem to have developed a really good relationship with Tom. I got to interview him for another podcast. The interview is in the bank and edited and ready to go. It's just I'm waiting for the uh, the producer to actually uh, put it on RSS feeds. And it was a really good interview. I got to ask him about his writing and his relationship with NaNoWriMo and sort of uh, encourage him to to get on the Inkshare bandwagon also because he, I mean, Tom does write and he writes good, interesting books. So it's I, I feel that it's like he self-publishes, which is fine. But I feel like he he might benefit from doing the Inkshare thing. Anyways, um, so I've, I've had a lot of back and forth with Tom uh, regarding these things. Um, Veronica, I didn't get that many opportunities to talk with her. She's incredibly busy. I, I can imagine. Uh, some, sometimes like. And Tom's really busy too, and I don't I don't know how he makes the time either. But it it feels like maybe Veronica has more going on uh, during this particular period of time because, like, if I do have questions and things relating to the book release, I like obviously she gets involved and she's she, she's very professional about it. But at the same time, it's not like I can uh, I, I can 
wax philosophical about science fiction as I've had the opportunity to, to do with Tom. So it's, I, I wouldn't say I have a close working relationship with either of them. I mean, they're just, they're, they're just um, spearheading the collection. They're not like business partners or my right, bosses or my employees or anything like that. It's definitely like friendly professional level. I mean, you know. Absolutely. And I, it, it, you got to remember that I'm a fan of their product. So there, there is always kind of like that layer that remains. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of sword and laser. I've been listening for, wow, close to three or four years at this point. And <laughs> I, I tend to read the books maybe six months late for the, the book club, but right. whatever. <laughs> um, I'm, I don't have, I'm, I'm terrible at keeping up with book clubs. Well, you know what the 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 amusing thing is at some point down the road here someone will be making a podcast and maybe saying that about us that you know they're listening to us, you know, 3 or 4 years now straight and they have a friendly professional relationship with one of us or both of us or, you know, it it could be and I mean it's a little it, surreal a little, you know. Yeah, it, it is and I'm seeing certain hints of that with some of the people that I I talk to, I've had the opportunities to ex- exchange some emails with other uh, newer authors on the uh, on Inkshare and other people who want to get into writing, and it's it's so um, like I, I'm fortunate enough that I'm not in a situation like Tom and or Veronica where I am a personality in any ways. So I can still like I, I don't get fan emails every day that I have to respond to. My my inbox isn't like a hundred, two hundred, or a thousand emails of people asking me questions and, and right, we connect with me. So I, I sure. have the opportunity to like personally respond to everyone that communicates with me as best as I can. Meanwhile, they might not have that luxury. Right. And, and all I was going to say is we, we haven't even got to a position yet where we need to create our own email just for this podcast. Um, although, I mean, I'm not against doing anything like that because I, I do get a couple of emails randomly about the podcast. Uh, for example, recently we just we said that <clears throat> excuse me once we hit double digits, we are considering maybe having some some special things happen with some other people, and I've got some questions about that in the past. But well, I'm I'm going to start by saying it. I mean, the first person who approached us with that was John Robin, if I remember correctly. Yep. So he's he's definitely going to be our first uh, our first guest, and I'm I we you and I need to talk about when we're going to schedule that because we're. We are in a double digit. We've done, we've paid our dues. I think we can have some interviews now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, if you're not keeping up with John Robin, um, I'm sure you are, Jeff. But those of you listening, if you're not, he has recently finished his first um, draft of uh, Blood Dawn and he's now doing his first pass of, uh, and he's he's drawing maps too. Yes, a, did you see that? It was a night. It was awesome. Mm, it awesome. Looks, it looks cool. It's that's one thing about John is above everything else, he is passionate about his product in and not just passionate Absolutely. in the sense like I I I mean I'm not putting anyone down by saying this, but I have a lot of people who will talk a lot about what they want to do with their books and with their stories. John talks a lot about what he's done and is doing and showing his results. He's like, I'm, I say, he, he's all action when he it is. comes to his book. He is. And, uh, you know, this is a little bit off of the topic of his book, but did he, he got injured or something? 
Did you see that? His foot, maybe? I, I did, did not. No, yeah. I saw on Twitter the other day that he was uh, saying something, about, or maybe it was Facebook. I don't remember. Um, one of the social medias uh, saying something about his foot was injured and he's had to like kind of, you know, oh, be wait, off wait, of wait. it. Wait, yes, yes. And he he's t- basically taking the opportunity to work on his on his book and on his stuff. Yes, too. that's where I was getting to because he now he's going to have some more time to work on that since, you know, he's got to recover. So um, I guess we just brought you up to speed. Everyone listening to For Blood Dawn, go order that if you have not. That was unintentional, but you're welcome, John. Anytime we can help you out, buddy. <laughs> so JF, um, you know, before we got started here with the recording, we were brif- briefly talking about some other projects that you were working on. And, and um, you were telling me that you have a little bit of time right now because of your situation with how your job works. Um Correct. Your day job uh, that you have some time here. So uh, you care to elaborate and maybe in the next minute or two before we hop into our book picks this week? Well, right now I'm in a situation where I am basically working mostly. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I get to work on different books. I've got two contracts to write books for the Ed Greenwood book, uh, the Ed Greenwood group. And uh, I've, I've been bouncing back and forth between finishing the first draft for the sequel to The Life Engineered and working on my first book for the Ed Greenwood group. I don't know why I'm having so much trouble with his name today. Anyways, so I'm, it's, it's been, I've sort of decided after the end of NaNoWriMo last November that NaNoWriMo was no longer going to be enough as a once a year for a month thing. NaNoWriMo needs to be kind of, at the very least, a a year-round project for me. I need to be able to write that 15 to 1,600 words every day. Because, well, if I want to make a go at this on a more professional basis, I need to I need to write books. Right, I can't just say I wrote write. a book. Yeah, writing's got to write. And part of the problem that I'm facing is I have ideas and I need to write those ideas i need i I, and i love doing it and i enjoy doing it but like right now i have a sequel for life engineered i've already written a sequel for a god in the shed if it gets published i've got two books to write for for fred greenwood i've got another science fiction property i want to get off the ground that i'm looking at and really salivating at the idea of writing and that's just what i've got outlined right now but i've got like i've got an entire notebook of just ideas for science fiction for fantasy stuff i want to do this i want to do an, a, a really uh, grittier urban fantasy story that i have in mind so it's it's just all kind of fighting to get out of my brain so i i can't just once every once or twice every year write a book like i need to be doing this constantly right so um your personal goal then is to try to get down 15 to 1600 words a day Something like that, yeah. Are Basically, you are you meeting keep, that goal? Yeah, actually, very like certain certain days. It's uh, I'll I'll waste more time than others doing research, mm-hmm. and I'll have to like work uh, longer and later to get the word count. But something like today, I almost I almost got my entire word count in an hour and a half. It was just flowing. Like I knew where I was going with that particular segment of the story, and it just wrote itself. It was great. And yeah, and uh, you obviously listening don't know what time it is, but it's early afternoon. Well, it's kind of early evening um, here where we're recording. So that's actually pretty good. Normally we record a little later in the evening. So Mm -hmm. if you've already hit your word count already, I mean, 
imagine when we're finished with this in about another 45 minutes or so, you know, you get back to it and you double your word count for today, possibly. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And as I mean, as long as I'm like, I've, I've got the inspiration, if I meet my word count and I, I guess I'm lucky. I mean, we were having this discussion on Twitter with a few other authors today and I'm, I guess I'm lucky that to me, I as much as I can sometimes struggle with the quality of the writing I want to do, I never have that problem where I sit down in front of my computer and don't know what to write. So if, if it's not going to be one chapter of a book, it's going to be another chapter of another book or another chapter in the same book. There's, there's always something that I need to write down. So I'm, I'm, I'm never, I, I never have trouble meeting the word count. Well, when I you get know, to the quality. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, that's what, uh, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth drafts are for, right? So you can clean exactly. it up. So, I mean, sometimes it's the way it is. Uh, speaking of drafts, there are some drafts that are, are, I guess I should say, some funding projects that are currently have some of their first draft up on Inkshares. Oh, um, yeah. Each week we try to bring you a couple of those uh, to showcase a few of them that we personally like and we would like to see reach their funding goal, either either the full out um, goal or the quill goal of 250. And today we're going to bring you no different than any other week. We're going to try to bring you a couple of those, um, highlight them, if you will. Uh, JF, you want to, you want to jump in this week? Absolutely. Mine might take a little while because there's a, uh, there's a certain personal connection to this one. Um, it's not a big deal. I mean, we never, we never go over an hour ever, so it's no big deal. No, we're doing good time. We're doing good time. I mean, you called us in at like 10 minutes earlier than usual to, for this segment. So, yeah. I mean, we're we're trucking along. And speaking of trucks, the, the book I'm going to recommend is not sci-fi and it's not fantasy. Like we said, we're not just going to do genre fiction here. We're going to find any book that interests us. And this one is called How to Get Run Over by a Truck by a Katie, Katie C. McKenna. And the reason why I earmarked this one is because it is... I'll, I'll I'll just read you the about since it's a memoir. You'll you'll get the uh, the, the the information. So I am Katie McKenna. Not really. I'm JF. I'm just reading what she wrote. <laughs> Writer, sometime comedian, and professional fundraiser living in B- Brooklyn. I got run over by a truck, a big eighteen wheeler, and lived to tell the tale. Wow. Most of my earlier writing had been never ending journals since I was eight years old and stand-up bits for open mic nights around New York City. Creating something that makes another person smile or laugh gives me joy. I delight in laughing at myself. This memoir began as a journal entry on a borrowed laptop during my extended hospital stay. I had finally regained use of my hands, and it was the best way to psychologically work through the intensity of my debilitating accident. It felt like my written musings became one long stand-up set. I, a way to make light of the terrible but surprisingly hilarious things that happened when I was 25 years old and had just been run over by a truck. Yes, that seriously happened. For real. I actually know what someone means when they say, I feel like I've been run over by a truck, because I was. Twice, if you count the axles. And I do. Wow. On the morning of October 2, 2007, I went from being a 25-year-old girl riding my bike before work to a traffic victim with deep tire tracks across my stomach. After 10 hours of emergency surgery, I woke up horrified. My body was fractured, stru- stuck with tubes covered in fresh wounds and surgery scars. I looked down at my legs that were attached to my body and that refused to do what I asked them. 
Everyone has had a moment where they feel like they have been run over by a truck. One pivotal moment that breaks apart everything one knows to be true. My truck moment was literal. But others are figurative. We all have a choice. Either mourn the life you lived or fight to create a new life so beautiful that you can't help but fall in love with it. This memoir is the record, record, record of that fight. My new life is here with awkward, hilarious, heartbreaking, and amazing details. If Ink Sheriff publishes How to Get Run Over by a Truck, I hope to be a source of inspiration and strength for others who have gone knocked down by life. Those looking for a story that will help them believe that they can get up again. Now, I said I have a personal connection to this story. Here's a little tale from my, from my existence. Oh, man. I when hope I you was haven't 20, been here. Well, when I was 21 years old, I was coming back from work, and as I was crossing the street, some dude in a white Jetta, instead of slowing down when he saw that the light was going to turn red for my direction, decided to accelerate and ran me the fuck over. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Not, not supposed to swear on this podcast. I apologize. <laughs> wow. So... I've like, there's a lot about what she says in that description I just read that is just echoes things that I went through. The whole how uh, this kind of accident can be life changing from the sounds of it. She did not get to walk again. And I'm lucky enough that I do. So there's clearly there's a huge difference right then and there. But the the whole spending months in the hospital, waking up, not knowing if you're going to walk again, the uh, having to do physical therapy, occupational therapy and everything that goes around it is stuff that I have lived through and how it has affected my outlook on life, how it has impacted how I deal with certain other events in my life really resonates with me and i like i'm I'm glad to see that she's already at 564 pre-orders she's got 88 days left she is going to fund she's at least going to get quill and oh yeah which is probably awesome. probably get an actual book and i'm pretty much out of credits but i think i'm still going to get a, a physical copy of the book to to be able to read it because well, it's something that reads and here here's where i think like and this is something that she mentions in the description but if i can give life to the words a bit by talking to it from my point of view there's a certain quality to tragedy when you live and survive things that usually would probably make you depressed uh, it's because it creates kind of a higher bar and the the reason why I I think that her book would actually be extremely uplifting it's not in a oh like the poor girl how terrible what she went through and oh how brave she is that she has overcome it but if you can thoroughly and completely understand what going through something like that and like I'm pretty sure what she went through is magnitudes worse than what I went through like I had to learn how to walk but at least I got the opportunity to learn how to walk again um the thing is when crazy I didn't know this about you this is like throwing me (laughs) oh I'm sorry it's it's, honestly it's not something it's it's funny how it defines the personality but it's not like it's not like the first thing I tell about myself when I go to parties well yeah of course but the thing is what it does it, it raises the bar on what is a problem in your life because you can always compare everything to that one big tragedy. 
And that's something I had lived through. It's something that I can definitely see in the way she's writing. And she, she's a comedian in New York. She's probably got a very funny way about it. But it's always also something that one of my bosses kind of explained to me. And that's when I kind of got it. Like I thought my I was kind of getting numb to certain emotions after my accident. But my boss at the time said, oh, no, I went through a tragedy. It's just that you com- you keep comparing everything else that goes wrong from that point to that one tragedy and everything, everything, nothing really compares. So it's really hard to get bummed about losing a job when you've, in the case of Katie, like lost the ability to move your legs. It's like, oh, a job. I can get another job. I can't get other legs. So yeah. it, it makes you more positive, which is really weird. And I'm curious. To, I want to see that through her eyes because it sounds so similar. Just, you know, worse. Man, um, it have is. I, have I sold you on pre-ordering? Yes. Actually, I want to read a little bit of something here that I was kind of looking at um, for a second. Um, this is from the actual chapter that she has up. It says, please, can you hold my hand? I asked the young woman who had called my mother. I'm scared. I didn't want to say it. I wanted to be strong and funny and to let this just roll off me. I wanted to believe that it wasn't a big deal and that I could put a Band-Aid on this one all by myself. But after telling another person I was frightened, it became clear to me that I wasn't tough enough to do this on my own. My mom wasn't there and I was surrounded by strangers. So I did what made me feel like I was close to my family. That was right before bedtime or church, I began to pray. So I thought that was was a pretty... I, I haven't been in a situation like that. So like for me, like to read that, that was pretty, um, pretty powerful when, you know, you're, she's, she's definitely letting it all out here, you know, <laughs> emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, it just struck me as I was just kind of skimming through this. It's, uh, it's a pretty powerful one. And, uh, I can see how you would definitely make comparisons to what you went through, which again, you know, could have, could have, could have like prepared me for the bombshell off the air. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's well, no, that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm not revealing to you that like anything that really changes who I am. Right. And I I think it's kind of the same way with Katie. I mean, it's it's something that defines you definitely. But we're already at that point. So it's like anyways, it's I I, want to read it because this this is the book about an accident that she went through. It's very like it, it echoes. Like I said, darker echoes of something I went through. And it's I've never sat down to write my story about my accident. I don't think I ever will because I don't think I can really say it in an interesting way. But Katie certainly can. So I don't know. I is this I, I feel this connection to to the subject matter, obviously. And I wanna I wanna read her experience. I wanna see where it um where it matches mine, where it's different. And I want to laugh through it. And she seems like she's capable of doing that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in too. I love it. It sounds like a, it sounds like it's going to be an awesome book. And, uh, like you mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm excited that it's, uh, at least going to be part of Quill. Um, and you know, honestly, she has a lot of, a lot of time left. Um, almost three months. There is no doubt in my head that she is going to get 750 pre-orders, probably more. Yeah, because she's definitely um, within two hundred of the seven hundred fifty goal. So, oh yeah, she's she she's got it. 
she's she's nailing it and it's 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 a it's a great book like it looks it's the sample chapters are well written she obviously it's a it's a personal experience it seems to be reaching a lot of people and i think it's a, the, the, the kind of book that ink shares is very good at putting into the public eye because this is ink shares is a very personal platform i'm discovering right it's a place where part of the appeal of putting a book on InkShare or financing a book on InkShare is being part of that process, connecting with the author, connecting with their experience, which when you're doing fiction is okay and it works. But when you're doing memoirs and personal experiences, or even if you're doing like a, a book about food, but it's something that touches you personally and you're injecting a lot of yourself into it. And I'm not saying fiction author, authors don't inject themselves into it, but it's a much more tangential way of doing it. Right. Like, uh, like Herb obviously is, it's, it's a bit of a controversial subject. It's a bit like, obviously the, someone who's developed recipes with cooking with cannabis is there, there's, there's more of a story behind it than just recipes. Right. So I feel that because of ink, because ink shares kind of like has this natural proclivity towards intimacy with, between the reader and the, the writer, books like a memoir like that just work very well on the platform and you know i don't know uh you might know how long has this been funding do you know i have no idea because like i said she's almost got three months uh left and uh generally your normal starting point is the 90 day mark you can you can Mm -hmm. adjust that but uh i'm just curious because uh i haven't really heard much about this and you would think that hitting 560 odd pre-orders is uh, something that I would have heard about a little bit more if it's been up for a little while. Uh, but then again, you know, sci-fi fantasy, you know, <laughs> I kind of get stuck into that zone a lot. So, um, right. I'm trying to branch out, trying, which uh, actually brings me to my, my pick. If you um, are all wrapped up, how to get run over I, by I, a truck. I am, I am all wrapped up except for the pitch. Like you guys do me a favor, do yourself a favor, favor. Like you, most people will be lucky enough not to live through an experience like that, but it is the kind of experience if you can live through it through the, the eyes of someone else, it, it definitely is life changing stuff and judging, just go, go to, go to ink shares, search for how to get run over by a truck, read the samples there. And you'll see that Katie definitely has what it takes to, translate that experience to you so that you you don't have to live through it but you can still get sort of the benefits and have a good laugh on the same on on the way there so go pre-order it yeah like now like right now you know we'll Mm -hmm. be here i promise so (laughs) yeah uh, yeah there you go and when you come back be aware that i am definitely changing gears because mine is uh my pick is not as uh I hate Funny? to use. T- I mean, well, I hate to use the term. I was going to use a uh, heavy. She's heavy, a comedian, but she is Paul, a comedian. Don't, yeah. Are you saying she's not funny? She's hilarious. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will buy extra books for being so terrible. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so the book that uh, I chose this week is actually a food and lifestyle book. It is called Taco City: Los Angeles Through the Eyes of a Taco File by uh, Mr. Rob Goki. Um, Rob Goki, if you don't know, has actually already written one book about twitter and how it changed his life um and in fact if you take a look at his uh campaign page he basically says that he 
met his wife on Twitter. So his Twitter definitely has changed his life professionally and personally. So that's pretty cool. Now, I was really interested in this because, you know, like like most people, I, I like tacos. And I was like, okay, tacos. Yeah, I'm down. And uh, maybe someday I'll go back to LA. I've been once, so I'll go back and have some tacos. <clears throat> excuse me, have some tacos that Rob recommends. Um, uh, you know, he he doesn't have a whole lot. It's kind of kind of sparse here. He just talks about himself. He says, "My name is Rob Goki. I'm an author and a music composer for TV, film, and digital. Born and raised in Los Angeles, and I've w- wanted to turn my love of both my city and tacos into a book for years." So, you know, and then he talks about one little short paragraph about himself and then it's right into the chapter. So I think that I'm actually going to read directly from the chapter a few paragraphs here. So uh, you guys get an idea of what his um, his book, Taco City, Los Angeles, Through the Eyes of a Taco File, is like. Um, so it starts out, chapter one. The taco, we've all had one. It doesn't matter where you live, race, religion, diet, we've all had a taco. In the last few years, it's become the new burger. In its simplest form in America, it's meat, cheese, lettuce, and a tortilla. I grew up in Rosemead, a suburb of Los Angeles, just outside of Pasadena. My mom would make tacos about once a month. They consisted of ground beef with a packet of taco seasoning, lettuce and tomatoes mixed with dressing, and a corn tortilla lightly fried in oil just enough to hold the shape of a taco. I liked him well enough. How could I not? And for 19 years of my life, that and the occasional trip to Taco Bell was what I knew a taco to be. Then, when I was 19, a friend of mine took me to a local taco joint, a taqueria in San Gabriel, a neighboring city. We went in and I ordered a taco. I was expecting something similar to what I was used to. What I got was something else entirely. The meat was chopped up steak called carne asada instead of ground beef. There were diced onions, cilantro, and a hot sauce that smelled like it was poured from a volcano. All of this was on two five-inch corn tortillas, heated but not fried. No lettuce, no cheese, none of mom's dressing. My first thought was, oh, two tortillas. That means I can split the ingredients and make two tacos from one. What a bargain. I didn't realize it at the time, but the tortillas aren't fried. They are two to soak up the juices and sauce so that the taco doesn't fall apart. I bit into that tender carne, carne asada meat, and there were flavors I'd never tasted suddenly in my mouth. Also, the hot sauce was so, was so strong, I'm surprised that I didn't start hallucinating. Delicious, but strong. What I realized that day was that this thing that I had put in my mouth, this was a taco. This was what Mexican people were making. It looks like just a tortilla and meat, but it's more than that. It's the love and care put into the recipe. The spices, the sauce, the ingredients, the accoutrement, that's what makes it a taco. And so on and so forth. You can go, You guys can go continue from there. But I mean, it's just, this dude loves tacos, man. He just loves tacos. And I'm like, I'm on board. I'm like, yes. Let's get some tacos. Like like tonight, I'm going to ask my wife, hey, let's make tacos for dinner. Because I'm like, yes, I love these. And uh, I don't know. I'm really excited. I just think this is an interesting book. And it's kind of like a – it's kind of like a um, a recipe book. If you keep reading, you see that he he plans to include some, some um, 
interviews from some of the chefs from around Los Angeles and uh, some recipes of his own. And maybe if they'll give up some recipes from around Los Angeles, the taco stands and restaurants are around Los Angeles. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I kind of hate to be negative here, but I think he's at a little bit of a disadvantage because of the category of book that he picked. Because, you know, when they um, they did a revamp last fall on mm-hmm. Ink Shares, they changed the, uh, the um, pricing for these kind of food books. So, unfortunately, I, th- I think that... It could be hurting him a little bit here because um, it, he's got only 23 pre-orders. Uh, but really don't, don't let depends. that fool you, though. So. It really depends on the on, on what he's planning on including with the book. Like if, if his book is going to have – because the reason why they change pricing for, uh, for food and lifestyle and recipe books like that, that these are books that are usually made with better paper. Um, they'll have color photos and stuff right. like that. Picture heavy. This, yeah. Exactly. This, and so if that's what he's planning on doing for his book, he doesn't necessarily have a choice. He needs to be in that price point. Oh, However – he needs to reflect that in his marketing. Now, yes. what you read to me, like the whole that that, that part of the chapter, like you, you got me. Like I'm 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 a taco fan, but not a, uh, a gourmet taco fan. I like <laughs> I like my uh, my old El Paso taco kits from yeah, oh, the yeah. grocery store. I know exactly ground beef what you're talking and stuff about. like that. I can't stand Taco Bell because here in Montreal, in Montreal, the Taco Bells mostly serve cat food um, <laughs> in tortillas. It's it's terrible. It's, Goddamn nightmare. <laughs> but the, the idea of a taco without cheese has me curious but apprehensive. But I, I, I would love to learn more. I want to read those interviews. I want to, I want to read the, uh, the, the, the stories and see recipes about different ways of making different kinds of tacos. But look, let me put it to you this way. Rob, Rob, if you're listening, and I know you're not, but it, assuming you're listening, here's what you need to do. In your about tacosity, you need to stop talking about yourself or talk less about yourself. Like we've we've mentioned this before. The f- first thing people want to read in a, about the book section is information about the book. Right. Front end the information, what you plan to have on your, in your book, especially what might justify the price. If you're going to put recipes, say like, oh, illustrated recipes and interviews, all that information that is in your comments Later on, you have a very good description. Just copy and paste that at the beginning of your about the book section. And already that will help a lot because people coming in don't have to dig too hard to understand what you're trying to sell. Also, put a video. And here's here's if I mean, you don't eat want some to put, tacos, you know, have your have your wife, you know, just film you no, on ex- your iPhone, you know, no, exactly. just if you eating just, some tacos. Exactly. Exactly. You don't need to do more than that. Just. You're trying to translate. What you're trying to communicate is that you love tacos. Just film yourself for 30 seconds eating and enjoying a taco and make it convincing. And judging from what you wrote so far, that won't be hard. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Since you uh, are a musician and and you are a composer and a creator, you probably have friends that can help you do this. Put together a 30 or 45 second spot of you just eating tacos, just like close-ups of your mouth, just crunch, crunch, biting into different kinds of tacos. And, you know... Maybe a little voiceover. You you got this, and then you make some awesome music to go with it. I'm telling you, this book needs to succeed. I think, and and it very well can. I mean, I- yeah, absolutely. This is this is what's frustrating about this book is that you know that the like we've we've read part of chapter one. We know the writing chops are there. This the subject 
Like he says, tacos are the new burger in America. There's no reason why someone would not want to read about tacos the same way they want to read about burgers. Like if you love food and you're you're a foodie or whatever you're calling it these days, like you probably would be interested in a cool book about tacos. The only thing that's missing, like the 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 the, the, the failure, quote unquote, of 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 the project page is in the marketing. Sell your book, man. It's it sounds awesome, but we have to dig to figure that out, and we shouldn't have to. And you know what? Um, it, it's tough, and I, I don't know. I, I would assume it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it's not made clear here, but I would assume that your first book about Twitter, you may have had either published with someone, and they did that kind of work, or you did the self publishing. And it's it's tough to know what's too much and what's not enough and, and and what exactly should you put on there. But there's actually a lot of really great pages here that you could check out like, well, John Robbins, for example, or Melissa Bergs, um, or who else recently do we see that had a really good one? Uh, um, Kara's Kara Weston. Um, I'm blanking out. We just saw somebody last two weeks ago, last week. Um, wait, 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 wait. I, I'm trying to remember is uh, the last, Last machine, the solar system, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who have really like quality pages up with some with some really good examples of of what of where you maybe could take this because you have so many good regs. Like, for example, just off the top of my head, um, just add a picture. Like if you want this to be like a, a recipe style book, put up an example of what your recipe style might look like. Obviously, anybody coming here is going to know that that's just like a prototype you know, that, that this is the idea, you know, it doesn't have to be the final version. I mean, that's what you would do working with ink shares and girl Friday productions to get the book to where it needs to be. But, um, give us some examples of like, what's driving you here. I mean, obviously tacos are driving you. I mean, that's what brought me here. Tacos. I mean, so, but the taco isn't represented well in this first little short section. Um, but I'm telling you, I think the, that it's good. I, I read through the, uh, the sample chapter, um, and even some of the, I think there was a second sample chapter, if I, if I remember correctly. You know, when we're browsing through these things and I'm trying to pick a book, I, I read all this stuff and I forget who has what or I mix them up. You know what I mean? So oh, uh, I, I spend so much time on ink shares <laughs> just browsing books, it all becomes a blur after a while. Yeah, so I think actually this only has the one the one sample, tra- sample, sample chapter, and uh, it's good. I mean, it's good. I want to go to Los Angeles and I want to take you out to lunch and, and I want you to take me to your favorite taco place of the, of the week. You know, I mean, this, this should, this should, should make it. I mean, it really should. I, I, I really, really enjoy it. It, it looked good, but he, okay. And before we move on to the next subject, one final tip, your, okay. When you see a taco, what makes it del- look delicious is like how, how colorful, how, how you know bright and delicious it looks. So for your cover, make the text, like keep the word tacos, ta- taco city big, but reduce the rest and don't make the image so dark. Make sure that we see a taco because now it just looks like muted colors with maybe a taco in the back. You need that cover. Like if you look at the cover for Herb, the uh, book about cannabis cooking, like you have a close-up shot of a bud. You know what you're getting into. It is colorful. There is a knife on a cutting board. You know it's about cooking. You know it's about cannabis. You're writing a book about tacos. I know you're. they're going to redesign your cover, but at the same time, you want people to see those thumbnails and be attracted by your cover. Show us a taco, man. 
show us a delicious freaking taco. <laughs> because what we see right now isn't like it doesn't make me salivate, not as much as say your first chapter does. So let's do it. Let's make this happen. And in all honesty, Rob, I'm I'm down here, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to get this book out. And those of you that have not checked uh taken the time to check it out, uh, we're at forty forty seven days as the time of the at the time of the recording here. Um, and uh, we're at 23 pre-orders, which, you know, is totally doable, totally doable to get into the Quill collection, at least. Um, well, I mean, you could even get the 750 if you, you know, played everything right and worked really hard. I'm not saying it's impossible, but, uh, you know, definitely the Quill goal. You could definitely get to the Quill goal. Uh, so check out Taco City Los Angeles through the eyes of a taco file. Mr. Rob Goki, um, musician and taco lover. So. JF, next subject. Next subject. This week, we, um, I was supposed to do an experiment about marketing this week, and I how that goes. It didn't because I got completely sidetracked by other things. I was looking for it too because uh, we talked about it off air, and it sounded like an interesting idea. I was and wondering, I'll, I'll do it. I'll definitely do it. I have to do it. It's part of part of what sidetracked me. So here's what happened. Like, <laughs> I'm. I had these these grandiose plans, and I talked to you about what I wanted to do. I'm not going to reveal, reveal it online because I don't I don't want to I don't want to spoil the surprise, so to speak. But the thing is, I got sidetracked by other marketing projects, and one of the big ones that is kind of creeping up on me is that I I have a release date for my book, and if I want to do this right. I need to do a sort of launch event, a uh, a release party, so to speak. And okay, so um, have you been working, formulating ideas for your release or launch party or whatever you want to call it? Well, first it was a solid two days of panic. <laughs> of course. We can't, I, we can't do anything without that. Well, look, there's a lot of things I can do without panicking. But when it comes to organizing events, it's because there's a lot of things that are outside of my um, normal field of activities. I am very, quote unquote, good at engaging people. Like if I'm on, I get an interview or if I'm asked questions, I can definitely answer and I can participate. You put me in front of a crowd to describe something and I can. You want me to promote a product that's not mine and I'll do it. But you ask me to do some PR outreach, and I am a buffoon. I don't know who to call. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what to do. So fortunately, I have Inkshare, who uh, are good at the PR thing. So there's a good synergy there. However, Inkshares isn't going to come to Montreal and organize my launch party. And organizing a launch party means very complicated things for someone who has never done one. I mean, I've organized, you know, war gaming tournaments. I've organized events, but I've always been working with someone else that did what I would call the heavy lifting. Basically someone who would do the organization and tell me what to do. And then we would both claim the credit equally, but that was a lie. So, you're when it came the to the idea, lie, JF, you're living a lie. <laughs> I am living a lie. Now I, the I world knows good, it. <laughs> I am not good at events. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? You would tell me, and again, this is the same thing as a self-promotion thing. You would say, 
JF, organize Paul's launch party. And I would say, absolutely, I will totally organize Paul's launch party. Awesome. Thanks, JF. You all heard it here. I am not organizing the <laughs> launch party because of geographical restrictions more than anything else. Like you live in what? Carolina? I'm yeah, not. South, I, I can't. South one. <laughs> I'm not organizing anything that far away. But if one of my local friends were to say, hey, can you help me organize a launch party for my for my book? I would totally do it because it's easier for me to call, say, a bookstore and say, hey, my client is trying to organize a book launch and we need your space. And this is going to bring this amount of people. Like I can do that. I can, I can boast and brag about someone else's product. I have tremendous difficulties doing the same phone call and saying, I have my book that I want to promote at your location, but I need to get over that and be a grown up and do it. However, on a more, on a less um, therapy aspect of it and on a more technical aspect of it, there's also the big question of, well, what's a launch party? I mean, it sounds yeah. great in like when you say it like that, oh, it's a party and like we're going to be there and there's going to be food in my book. Okay, what else? So I decided to do a bit of research. And what I found was that I, uh, first of all, didn't know anything about the subject matter. And there is a lot of lists and articles and to-dos that don't really help much because they all assume a lot of what I found online kind of assumes that you already have all of the infrastructure ready for you. Like you're already friendly with a bookstore. You've already launched books. You already have a fan following. And I find that kind of advice very disingenuous. It's when you're trying to, when you're at the point in your career or in any kind of project where you're looking for advice, chances are you don't have all of these things ready already. Otherwise, you wouldn't be looking for advice. So I turned to a couple of local authors and uh, basically I, I turned to a local author here in Canada in, the, in, in, in Ontario called Marie Bilodeau, who also works uh, and writes for the Ed Greenwood group. And she does her own stuff and she's a very good, very prolific author. And to uh, another guy called Derek, can't pronounce his last name, but I guess I'll give it a shot. Is it glorious, Kunsk? Derek? No, no, it's a, no, it's a Canadian Derek. No, and oh. I reached out to him because he organizes CanCon, which is the uh, oh, the Canadian awesome. science fiction and uh, and fantasy literature and creative convention in Ottawa every year. And they're both super nice people. I've only met them briefly, but for that time I did meet them, they were both super nice. So I reached out to them and I said, "Hey, launch parties. Um, WTF guys?" And Derek was very direct. He said, I can, I can try to help you on the event side like, and can give you tips for that, but I've never launched a book myself, so not sure how much. But Mary sent me to an article that she had written uh, called planning a, planning a Book Launch Party, which does the exact opposite of every other, um, every other article I had read on the, on the subject. It's fairly recent. It's from 2013, so it's not completely out of date. And it really goes through all of the, all of the, the, the things that you need to think about ahead of time when preparing a party, uh, as well as kind of what you want to attendees to say and what you don't want attendees to say for every one of these points. So that was super instructional for me. 
I don't know if it's instructional is a word. You know, um, is there any way when uh, you, you put this on your website that we could link to well, that? Of course. You, if, you, if you go to the website, if you go to um, jfdubo.com slash rightbrain, you'll be able to find a link to the, uh, to, to the post itself. But I, I just want to quickly go over some of the points because they're, I mean, it's, it's not, it's a super short article too. So it's not like you're going to be, it, there's no purple pros in there. There's no one's trying to stroke their own uh, writing ego to try to prove that they're they're a great author. This is all pure distilled information, and all of it's useful. And it's but it's still written in in a, in a way that's fun to read. So one of the things that she mentions is timing, basically um, when to put your event, not to put it during other events, for example. Well, that makes or sense. if you. If you can avoid putting it or, or one of the examples she says also, it's like you can also try to time it so that it matches other events. One of the things that that made me think of that I'm probably going to try to exploit in the future if I can is that during CanCon, there were launch events. So you have people there that would not, not necessarily hear of your book who will be at the con and they'll be looking at the schedule and going, hey, a launch party for a book about robots. I like robots. I'll go check it out. So it's a good way of getting people there. But at the same time, if you're writing a book about, um, I don't know, if you're writing a book uh, about jazz, here we have a jazz festival every summer. If you can put your book launch at somewhere during that festival, but obviously not during any of the concerts, you'll have people from out of town that you can probably hook into coming to see your book launch that are into jazz and will be likely to to be interested so be be aware geographically of what's going on in your city and try to schedule accordingly well um to to kind of like elaborate that on that a little bit um this year uh ageless will be coming out um may 3rd okay but in, in myrtle beach is which is where i live um we have something called XCon world which is a, a comic convention um here in myrtle beach and uh it's a it's like a three-day pretty big convention they they ran out the big convention center here and uh um well i mean it's just grown every year and it's like uh the ninth or tenth year that they've done it in a row and um uh i was toying with the idea of getting a booth or having some kind of launch party there but i, I mean timing wise it seems to be a little late because it's a few weeks after after the book actually you know is publication date you know so but um, I don't think that it's a bad idea. I just don't. I'm like you. I, I kind of don't know exactly what to do yet. You know what I mean? Well, so, actually, that's that's something I discussed with Inkshares because I asked them the questions. What do you guys think? And they gave me sort of a window. And I think if it's a couple of weeks after the launch, you can still it's still within that window. So okay. I wouldn't necessarily discount it because it, this is definitely a place where you will have an opportunity to reach out to people who don't know about your book yet. Well, that's what I was thinking. Um, uh, so, you know, it's it's not a huge con, but, you know, we've had some decent names, you know, from like Walking Dead and, you know, we had, um, oh, what's her name? A few years but back from... That barely I mean, matters. What you're right, right. But I'm just like, saying that it's not tiny, yeah, it's not. but it's not huge. That's all it was. Yeah, about. it's it's not like you, you're not going to have Patrick Stewart as a spokesperson. Right, right. But we, we have a... a the main character from Clerks has been here a couple of years in a row. Why can't I think of his name? Brian, somebody? Oh, uh, Hollow Ran, Holloran. Uh, I, I think it's Oh Holloran. Holloran, yeah, but yeah. I can't remember his first name. I think it's Brian. 
Uh, anyway, so, I mean, it has decent, decent draw. So, I mean, I, the crowd is has a chance to be significant is the point that, that I was trying to get to. So, I, I think it's a very viable option for a launch party, um, uh, like a, a location-wise. And, and like you said, um, one of the tips was try not to conflict with those things or try to piggyback off of those things, you know. So, um, mm. I don't think that's a bad idea, actually. I think it's a good idea. So, what else you got? Venues. One of the things, like obviously, I was thinking mostly bookshops, but right. it mentions like restaurants, bars, places like that. And the, basically, the idea is to find something that fits the atmosphere of your book, which is cool. Um, unfortunately, I can't really have my book launch on the ISS, so I'm going to have to shop a bit. I might end up doing it in a, in a bookstore anyways. But since I was thinking bookstore and this opened up other ideas, I'm going to be casting a wider net in my, uh, in my investigation for that. That's a good idea. And do, doing it at a con is definitely a good venue also. It's just I'm, I'm launching outside of con season. Right, right. Well, this is just early on and just happens to coincide right in the same couple of weeks with this con that's here in Myrtle beach. And, uh, I, I, uh, think that's a good idea too. Cause especially if your particular book is, is more adult themed, maybe you get outside of the bookstore and get into the bar scene and you have like, maybe you work with a bar and you could have some like door prizes or, or some, uh, um, like gift, gift, uh, certificates to give away as part of like what you're doing, you know, to make it kind of fun and, well, actually, this is this is something I actually know about is usually for places like restaurants and bars, if you want to have uh, events, they don't always charge depending on what you're planning on doing. Right. Because you're essentially bringing clients in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these places, like if you shop around, you can find a bar that's going to have a, a section that they can sort of reserve for you if you have enough attendees. So the the idea, like for, for 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 the bar, you're basically saying, "Hey, can I bring clients for a whole evening that will buy stuff from you?" They'll not. They're not going to say no. Of course, right, they're exactly. going to say yes. They're going to work with you to make it like as pleasant as possible. Because the more pleasant it is, the longer people stay. The longer people stay, the more they buy. So it to them, it's guaranteed clientele. So it, you just need to you know call them up for that. Um, if you're talking about bookstores, it's relatively the same thing, except I haven't dealt with bookstores in the past, so I can't, I don't know exactly what they're going to say, but I'll probably be able to tell you next week. Are you, are you I'm looking gonna, forward? I mean, are you calling yeah, some I'm, places? I'm, I'm giving some, starting my calls probably tomorrow. Nice. So that's going to be fun. Then there's food. Um, that really depends on venue, but there's some tips in the article on how to, uh, what foods to pick, what foods not to pick and how to, uh, how to deal with it. So it's a, it's a small chapter, but I don't, I don't know if food is that important in the now, experience, but you know. w- would you personally theme some food toward your, toward your um, book? Like for example, when they had, uh, the ink shares holiday party that we attended sort of through, uh, Google, um, mm-hmm. hangouts. Uh, they had some they had, themed drinks, you know, for their books, which I thought that was kind of neat. Would you consider I, doing that? I would, I would totally consider doing that. Um, what I would probably do is maybe work, let's say I was having it at a bar. I would probably work with the bar and have a drink named after something in the book, something themed with the book. And, you know, bartenders, the bartenders I've known have always been super cool about inventing drinks. They all, like every bartender that is, at least a little bit passionate about what they do already has drinks that they've invented because why not? Right. Right. Exactly. So 
it's you can probably work ahead of time with the bartender to get something done. If you're not doing it at a bar and you're doing it, say, at a restaurant, you can well, restaurants will usually serve alcohol, so you can do that too. Or if you're doing it at a bookstore, you can see with the bookstore owner if they don't sell food, if you can if you can bring something and you then you can theme it yourself. Right. Or um, I, kn- I know at CanCon, there was a cake for one of the book launches that had the cover of the book printed on the cake. It was really rad. That's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, if you're in a bookstore that has like a coffee shop, usually they have some little foods and things. Maybe you could uh, just see if they can rename it for the day or something, you know, one of their little uh, sweet treats exactly. or whatever, you know. So um, what else? What else they have? Um, now, this is one that I hadn't thought about. Which is actually, I should have really nailed it, promotional items. And I used to work for a promotional item company that did caps. And promotional items don't need to be like super expensive. But the idea is to have something to leave behind. And one of the, like, one of the, 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 the low-hanging fruits of promotional items is having bookmarks. Basically, people, whether they buy your book or have have the book at the event, if they can walk away with a bookmark that you know has information about where to get your book, if they didn't get it on the spot, they might get it later. And right. It leaves them with a positive impression of the of the event. It doesn't need to be a bookmark. Bookmark, like I said, is the low hanging fruit. But one of the examples she gives is that she had a launch at a bar and she made coasters. It's a good idea. And now they uh, did, I don't know if it says in the article because I'm not actually looking at it, but if, uh, did they see, uh, I mean, did they get to keep them for free? Because like if I did uh, bookmarks, I would be just passing them, especially if I did like the con as my launch party, I'd just mm-hmm. be passing out bookmarks. I'd just have um, like my friends or my my daughter maybe or my wife um, walking around the con while I'm sitting at a booth because in theory I'd get a booth too for the weekend. And I just have them passing out these bookmarks, just giving to people, Here, here you go. It's free. There you go. Here you go. Check. And, you know, I'd maybe put the booth number on the on the actual bookmark. I mean, do you, did uh, I would imagine she gave out the coasters for free. You know, hey, you can keep that. Oh, yeah. If it, the it's it's implied with a promotional item that this is something that you're giving to people. This is swag. This is a yes, souvenir. Swag. That's so, the best way to put it. So, yeah, def- definitely like when you're budgeting, don't budget for something that you plan on keeping this. These are gifts. Like there's, there's a good chance that your launch party is going to be a loss leader or just plain loss, but you want to have that kind of event to draw attention to your book. And also, I mean, even if it's your first book, you want to have those souvenirs, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that brings us to spreading the word. Um, we've done crowdfunded publishing. We we know about spreading the word. So and it's hard. Um, it can be difficult, yeah. but um, yeah. We, well, I mean, the advantage. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The, the the advantage about like the difference with uh, an event like that, one of the things that you want to do is obviously you, I mean, you want to mention it, say on your update to your readers, but you're obviously you're not going to get people from across the country to come to your book launch. You mean you're not it's coming down? Unlikely. You're not coming down for me, Jay? Well, we'll talk. We'll, <laughs> are you, are you coming up for mine? Paul? I, I, I've already got tickets. No, no, I haven't got tickets. <laughs> I'm not I saying I won't. I'm just that. saying that I haven't well, yet. <laughs> No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to announce it to your wider audience, but don't expect them to come. Uh, but at the same time, you need to be able, like, to cr- you need to create an event on Facebook, and you need what, what's interesting is that you can say, "Oh, there will be food, there will be a drink, there will be like." You can announce all the bonuses, all the advantages, the non-book advantages of showing up for your book launch. 
um, to, to your readers, which is more than just, I say, it's easier to sell a free event where they may purchase a book or get a book signed than say, hey, stay at home, but spend money on my book. So it's, it's actually probably easier to spread the word about a book launch than it is about a crowdfunding effort. That's well, why I'm very comfortable with that one. Uh, well, you know, that actually got me thinking. Um, because I was thinking about doing it at the con, obviously the people are going to have to pay to get in the con to be able to go mm-hmm. to the book launch. So here's where I, I run into kind of a dilemma um, right now as I'm kind of half planning as we do this podcast. Um, what do you think, uh, well, do you think it would be in my best interest to do something outside of the con as well? Something that is a free event where anybody can just show up. You don't have to pay because you're going to have to pay, like I said, to get into the con. Um, and, you know, that could put me at a disadvantage at least with the local people who um know me and maybe have already pre-ordered the book so i was thinking that maybe i do two two little events one maybe a smaller more intimate free one now what what you want to do is you want to have a table at the con where you sell the book where you promote the book and Mm -hmm. where you give out say pamphlets or leaflets saying there is a launch party at this time in this place right and then you want your launch party to be offsite. Like you, cause you, you don't want your friends that don't attend cons to not be able or have to pay extra to be able to attend your, your launch party. Gotcha. Like cons are getting kind of expensive to get into also. And not to mention the con is probably going to charge you an arm and a leg for the privilege of having a room to do a launch party. They're not going to let you do that on the floor anyways. Oh yeah. So it's not going to be economical for you to do it at the con. It's not going to be economical for your non-con attending friends to be at your launch party. And the idea of linking it with the con is that you can grab people that are just passing by and basically increase the numbers of people, number of people that are going to be at your launch event Mm -hmm. by dipping into the, the the crowd at the con but you don't need to be at the con what you need to do though is make sure that if the con has kind of a flagship event like a, a party of their own or, right you don't uh, want to interfere with like that a presentation yeah you don't want to schedule at the same time because then you're asking people to choose and they're not going to choose you they they probably aren't um you know if we go back to well, your friends are my friends not like, well not not strangers you don't know my friends apparently no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh well wow. <laughs> i know they don't listen no i'm just kidding they probably do listen actually um friends wow. of mine just, that just are listening. doubling down on <laughs> i know that one i know the friends that i used to have is what i should be saying <laughs> so uh, okay. if we can just step back a second about getting the word out you know honestly if you're working with some kind of retailer like a uh like a a bar or restaurant or a bookstore you can ask them about the promotions that they do because they may be able to put you on um um, your your launch on a mailing list or in a newsletter about you know events coming up their website exactly and uh they may even um help produce flyers or or let you put up flyers maybe is a a more accurate way because they're not going to pay for them you know um a couple of weeks before your event so you you know there's at least some foot traffic that can see that you're going to be there or some in the um, or some email traffic and uh, stuff. If you have if they have newsletters or any kind of updates that they send out regularly about promotions, you know, so I mean, don't just think that you have to do it on your own is what kind of what I'm getting to that, you know, wherever you end up having it, they may be able to help you out um, by getting the word out with you at the same time, you know. Exactly. So the next one, 
we're, we're almost done. But the next one is <laughs> this one reading. Um, <laughs> I've always, ever since I learned that this is something that is expected <laughs> of writers, I've been not wanting to be a writer anymore. Basically, one thing that you're expected during a book launch is to read a portion of your book, which let me describe it for other people with social anxiety. This means taking something that you created yourself, like that you've let's, let's to get poetic and, and, and emo about it, that you've poured your blood and soul onto the page for, <laughs> and that you're supposed to take a portion of that and you're supposed to sit in front of a crowd of friends, family, and strangers and read it in your own voice to them. There are nightmares written about that. <laughs> but you're expected to do it. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. So um, what Mary says in her article is like, pick a scene that you love. Pick a portion of your book. It doesn't have to be the first chapter. Just something that is fun to read and fun to hear and doesn't spoil the book. So you need to be a bit clever. You should know your book. So that shouldn't be too hard, but you can't just pick anything at random and you can't pick like an important reveal. It needs to be something that people are going to listen to and go, that was well, well written and this sounds interesting. I will purchase seven copies of that or whatever. And you know what? To get outside to, to get outside the box a little bit, if you're not 100% comfortable with doing something like that, maybe you could do something where you put together like a... Uh, if you if you have the inclination and the know-how, put together maybe like a book trailer that you can show live to your audience. If you, if you just can't get past that uh, crippling, you know, social anxiety um, that many of us have, I'm sure. Uh, or maybe just a slideshow or, or something outside of the box that you can uh, you could keep maybe on a loop or you could, it depends on how long your launch is going to be, you know, just to keep people, you know, keep, keep it fresh, I guess, a little bit. You know, you could keep something that keeps running or you could play over again or something along those lines. And I know that doesn't necessarily have to do with the reading, but maybe instead of if you can't bring yourself to do a reading, you know, I'm just trying to throw out some ideas. Yeah, no, I look, all of this sounds super appealing to someone like me, but at the same time, there's also the fact that people who are used to going to book launches, this is something they kind of expect you people that go to a book launch want to and this goes back to something that we were talking about like they want to connect with the author like they don't want to see a book trailer they've seen book trailers on the internet this is something you can put on your web page they want something that is directly from the author they want to hear how you read your book how you put the inflection how you pronounce the names and that is look if anybody's questioned why these things exist, these readings, and are they necessary? It's me. I've debated against them, and I will probably continue to. But from what I understand, it is something that is very much expected because it's what makes a book a book launch or a book signing different from just buying a signed book or just going to a web page. It what creates this connection between the author and his readers. So. I think you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, I, yes, I guess you're right. But you know, it never it never hurts to have those other things too. 
why not right um oh no no i mean some of these things like the, having say uh, maybe a laptop with uh, a trailer on the loop or some information mm-hmm. like one of the things I, I want to do um one of those promotional things that we're talking about that i can't reveal because i'm going to do, do this week i want to have like my launch event just plastered with inf- that, that kind of information because it will be stuff that people will pick up read and be like hmm, this is interesting and hopefully make them curious about more well, along the same lines, you know, uh, I've been try. I've been, I actually, I've been pretty successful at posting a a line or two from the book every day so far in 2016, which we're recording on the 13th, so that's 13 days. So, you know, I could take this idea I have, and I could actually take these these uh, little quotes, and I could actually print them up and plaster them like posters all around the event, you know, because I'm already doing it anyway, and I, I, you know, why not just use it again? So, just print them out and put them up or better yet uh, or another thing i could actually just have some there to give away you know what i mean as like a little swag thing like here take this take this you know um mm-hmm. so i mean whatever just be creative just be creative because you can always you can always find something to keep people entertained you know i mean if if that's what you're looking to do uh, uh yeah, and it, with the addition gonna... to reading and stuff your reading and things. Yeah. If we're going to step out of the frame of what a reading is, I still say that you should have a reading, but if we're talking about ancillary material that goes with it, the one thing you need to do, and this is kind of a marketing trick, don't think what would be cool of me to put out there. Think of what would be cool for me to see if I was one of the, the attendees. Right. So always like, if you say, Oh man, I have this cool idea. Step back. Look at that idea. a Second time. As if you were the attendee. Not as if you are the, the the writer presenting the book. That's how you'll know if it's a good idea. Um, the next thing, get help, is uh, something that actually I didn't really need Mary to put out in her thing because it's something that I've gone through through the events I've organized in the past. Don't try to do everything yourself because there's already going to be a lot of your attention required. Like uh, most of the events that I put up in the past. We were always two, and these were like rather big tournaments. Like there was a lot of preparation to do, but there was also a lot of having two people meant we always had someone who could take care of behind the scene things, basically solve a problem, get food. Um, since it were a tournament, like uh, resolve a rules dispute, there was always someone that could run around and solve things. But having a second person, you could always have someone who could be the the face of the event. And during a book launch, obviously, as the writer, you are the face of the event. You need to be interfacing with your readers. You need to be going from booth to booth, talking to people, thanking them for being there. You need to be to do your reading. You don't have time to plug in the mic for the reading. You don't have time to argue with the restaurant owner about whether or not he's brought enough, uh, you know, cocktail wieners or whatever. (laughs) You need someone or some people to help you out with that. So look at your friends, look at your family and find a volunteer, someone who will, someone who knows enough about the books that they don't care about listening to your reading. They don't, they, they don't need to be part of the social event, but, are smart enough and you know smart enough and uh, and and clever enough that they can you know take care of the, the behind the scenes things for you. Good, that's a good tip actually. And uh, I didn't think about that, but I mean that makes a lot of sense. You have to be the face. Somebody else needs to be the organization. You know, 
So, yeah, because you you need to be a good host. People need to walk out and say, man, that author, like even if you want to project like the troubled author thing or if you want to, like, if you, you want to be able, you want people to walk out and say, that person is compelling, not that person was busy plugging microphones and arguing with the staff. Exactly. Like, and the last point which is actually something that I f- constantly fail at when I organize things is to uh, is basically about managing your expectations. And Mary explains it very, very clearly that you need to, like, and she, she goes into a bit of technical detail about like choosing your venue uh, to, to reflect that. But basically you want to, you don't want your expectations to be, um, badly aimed you don't want to get a venue that's too small for the crowd that you're going to get so if you you're expecting 50 people and you get a tiny tiny bookstore that there's no room in well people are going to be stepping on each other and are going to leave early because there's it's going to be an unpleasant experience the same way if you reserve an entire bar that can host 100 people and only 20 show up it's going to look like the worst event ever because the whole place is going to be empty and you're you're going to be wasting money you're going to be wasting time and everybody's going to leave feeling like they went to the most terrible launch party ever nobody cares about you or your book so you need meanwhile like the same 20 people in the small bookstore it's going to look packed it's going to look active so try to get a good idea of what you are going to get try not to overestimate how many people you're going to get and just try to make sure that your expectations are as close to meeting reality as you uh, as you can and again, that's another good tip. So um, check out this article. Uh, JF is going to put the link on jfdubo.com slash rightbrain um, whenever he posts this uh, particular yeah, if, if you're listening to this, it's posted. So yeah, go check yeah. it out. Um, and, you know, I have a couple couple more other little ones. If you if you don't mind, just I'll throw them in there. Absolutely. Quick. No, the more the more I get, the better. Like the reason I brought this up wasn't just to to, to brag about Mary's uh, Mary Bilodeau's article but because i wanted a bit of your feedback which you've already given some but the more the more the better well you know it, this kind of goes along with what you're just saying about your um, expectations but you know you obviously you want to try to build your crowd you want to have as as many people there as you can you know you gotta i mean invite your 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 friends your close friends your your just acquaintances your your family your immediate and your not immediate and your co-workers and your writing group or any of your social media people who live in the area just you know more more, a bigger turnout just means a more more excitement, okay? And that's what the party's kind of all about. Even if these people have already, you know, pre-ordered your book or they've already gotten theirs because I'm not 100% sure, but I get the feeling that people will be receiving their pre-order before it's actually launched a publication date, you know? But uh, I'm a little bit hazy on that, so I'm not, I don't know exactly. But, you know, just the, the more that you get there the the be- the more excitement that it builds and the the better it's going to be and that's a tough thing to do but i mean just don't don't forget to invite everyone you can whether they can make it or they can't and that goes along with what you said earlier you know create a, an event on facebook even you know so get the word out try to get it out early so you can really create that excitement and uh um here's here's another thing that i thought was an interesting one um take some pictures have someone who's there just taking pictures like a buddy of yours just say hey man here's my camera take some pictures because you want to get this so you can um use it uh this this these pictures in the future for like maybe promotional things or whatever and you know people who get their book signed they might want a picture 
with you. I mean, so have someone there who is dedicated to helping out with that task, even if it's just the the people who want the picture, like here, use my cell phone. That's okay. You know, just have somebody who's there to do that. So you don't have to be like, oh, well, let's try to take a selfie. And then, you know, your arm is in every picture, you know what I'm saying? So sticking out. Uh, maybe um, think about prizes and giveaways. If you have a big book launch, you know, give some stuff away. If you, if you make like a, uh, um, well, like I was t- saying earlier about the little quotes or whatever, if I make a bunch of posters, why don't I just raffle those off? Just say, hey, you know, um, you win this one or, or I can make like a, a banner or something with, you know, the, the cover on it or something as an advertisement that goes in the restaurant or bar that hangs up for two weeks beforehand. I can give that away at the, at the launch party, you know, make, make it fun. And uh, the last thing I'd like to say, this is a kind of an, an interesting one because I think that this is, a, it's important. Get addresses, email addresses and physical addresses. Okay. Have a sign up sheet. Um, have a bowl for like business cards or, or something like that, or, or have a tablet there where people can sign up on a mailing list because, you know, these are people that you want to stay in contact with. They're, they are there to support. This is especially, this is especially relevant for anybody like me who wants to publish further books. Like I want to get a life, uh, God in the shed published at some point. So being able to have people who bought uh, the life engineered, being able to contact them after and being able to say, Hey, here's the sequel. Hey, here's another book I did. That's actually very relevant to me. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great idea that way you can keep in touch with these people about any future endeavors. Um, like you're saying, um, for a God in the shed or even the, um, Ed Greenwood group project that you're working on. You know, so no, these, these want, are all very good tips. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, there's tons of stuff out there. Like JF said at the beginning of this segment, uh, some of it is irrelevant and some of it is just fluff. But I'm sure that there are, you know, things out there that are helpful. Even if you come across one helpful hint in, you know, one article, you know, that's still one more than you had. Uh, so, no, and I, when I, when I said, like, I didn't want to say, I didn't mean it to sound like all the, the entirety of each article was garbage. Oh, it's no, just, no. I know that. One of the problems is out of an entire uh, article, you only get like, let's say it's uh, oh, 12 tips on how to have a good launch party. And one tip is relevant to you because right. everything else assumes that you're an established author. It's difficult because you need to read 12 articles like that to get your 12 tips. It's time. Meanwhile... What what I found was very interesting about uh, Mary's article is that it's everything's at the same place in one article, so it's it's a good uh, it's a good way to uh, to to get the info quickly. It is, it is, and I agree because you know the internet is the internet, and it's a big massive pool of information, and combing through it is more it takes more time than anybody really has. But um, you know we're just here to kind of guide you in a direction, so. Hopefully that helps you and us out. So, um, because you know, I have never, I've never experienced putting together a launch party, but I know that the tips that we talked about today definitely, uh, like I said um, previously in a different episode, I have a little notebook and I just jot things down as we talk. And uh, I mean, I have lots of tips, you know. So I'm going to be starting to work on this pretty soon as well, um, just like JF is. And those of you that are in the same ca- in the same situation that we are. Um, in the near future, we'll probably be working on it. And uh, those of you that are somewhere behind us in the process, you know, eventually you're going to need to do this too. So hopefully that, you know, it's helpful. 
that's our our goal here is to you know give you information and kind of like let you ride with us along on this journey that we have you know cool so paul we're we're at the end we're we're out of time we are we've 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 gone over again no we don't ever go over everybody else is just they don't like anything longer than an hour i guess (laughs) so where can people find you on these internets so that they can interface with you and uh and give you tips on your launch party um uh, well i will definitely take tips uh Twitter is a good place to start. Uh, it is at Paul Inman SC. That is at P A U L I N M A N S C on Twitter and actually Instagram too. It's the exact same thing. Or you can go to my website, which is coincidentally the exact same thing www.paulinmansc.com. And you can contact me there and check out some of the other things that I do and don't do. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook, although I, I think I'm difficult to find on Facebook, but you can look up Ageless by Paul Inman on Facebook and join the um, uh, group, like like group, like page. I don't know what they call it anymore, but uh, you can do that. And, you know, I'll be glad to have you and try to help you in any way as I can possible. JF, you also have an internet presence. Would you care to share? I do. And I'm, I'm going to try something different. Um, the, the one, the two, uh, I say patrons of the Sword and Laser collection. Veronica Belmont is big about you uh, about using about.me. And because of that, I made a profile on the website. Very so cool. if you go to about.me slash JF Dubo, that's JF D-U-B-E-A-U, you will be able to find my uh, my about.me page, which will have links to my Facebook page, my Twitter account. It'll have all the information I'm going to try to, uh, to 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 put as much into that as I can so that it becomes a better hub for my internet presence. I don't know if it's going to work, but you know what? Let's give it a shot, right? You know what? I'm looking at it right now. It looks really nice. I like it. You've got mm-hmm. the you got the cover up for um the life engineer. Mm-hmm. Short little blurb about you and I'm going to make one of these now, I think. So that's cool. That is cool indeed, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at upgrading that and putting more information. But if you're looking for my website, if you're looking for my Facebook account, my Twitter account, it's all at about.me/jeffdubo. So that makes it easy to get to. So that wraps so us with up that, for this week, right? It does. So uh, thanks Every- for listening, everyone, and we hope you have a fantastic week. And we will see you next time on Right Brain. Mm-hmm.